Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So I think it's safe to say that we only ever get really special people back on the podcast twice. So we are absolutely over the moon to be chatting to this incredible lady today, uh, Dr. Marta, who is a clinical psychologist. And last time she was on, we were, we were discussing, you know, children's anxiety issues. Um, you know, it was right in the middle of lockdown. And uh, we thought, you know what, we've been through the pandemic. We are coming out the other side. But what's happening to our kids? And obviously today, the end, coming to the end of Children's Mental Health Week. So we thought this would be really timely. Let's welcome to the podcast, Dr. Marta. Oh, such a warm welcome. We're so, so, so pleased to have you on. I mean, particularly, I've been going through this with Axel, my son. Um, he's he's five years old and I don't I don't I don't suffer with anxiety um I I don't think I really ever have and I was saying to a friend the other day it just doesn't make any sense why is he so anxious about certain things and my friend pointed out he went but anxiety doesn't make sense it's not Mm. rational you know it's I can't piece it together and um I think there's so many other people feeling exactly the same and whether that's you know a knock-on effect after the pandemic or you know our kids were always maybe going to be a little bit like this who knows but um we thought it was really important to have a discussion around it Mm. Oh, I'm really pleased that you've invited me. I feel so honoured. <laughs> As somebody that's kind of very much in the field, have you noticed an increase in children suffering with anxiety, um, you know, behavioural issues or any, any, what's kind of stood out since the pandemic? Yeah, I think there are more kids feeling anxiety over things that probably they wouldn't be feeling, but there's a sense of confusion, especially kids who are school age. Mm. There's been so many mixed messages Um, You know, you have to be away from people, but you can be at school, but you need to wash your hands all the time, but you have to be in a bubble, but now you have to be homeschooled. There's been so many like transitions and there's been a lot of loss over the past two years for kids. Like they've lost moments of celebration. They've lost, you know, being part of a play, whatever it is. Um, So I think there is kind of like a bubbling anxiety as things, like you said at the beginning, Zoe, things are coming back to normal and quotes. I think what we experience in adults is fatigue, like we're exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what oh I'm God, seeing yeah. in parents, like mm. we're broken. And Christmas is not a holiday for parents, just yeah. to, you know. <laughs> 
And for kids, I think what we notice, what I notice is anxiety because that's kind of like, it's a primal emotion. I know you said, gee, that you don't think you ever experience anxiety, but we like, it's a very natural, healthy emotion mm. um, that I think sometimes we don't honor well enough yes. because actually what we want to do is fix it and get rid of it. But it's a really important emotion for us to notice and just pause with, mm. which I know sounds like uh, paradoxical, but it's important. And I think our kids, that's what they're expressing now. So what you might see, depending on their age, but it might look more like irritability, like they're very quick at getting irritable. Yes. Um, quick tantrums, or, you know, meltdowns over tiny little things. Lots of kids are struggling to fall asleep. So when right. before... They were going to sleep. Okay, now they need mum and dad around or, you know, they need extra time. Mm. They're like really struggling to switch off their brains at bedtime. So that can be a sign of anxiety. Often kids lose their appetite or they just want to eat snacks, but it's like comfort eating. But anxiety is a hunger suppressor. Yes. So what happens is it makes it really hard for kids to be able to eat like a plate of food. They see it and it overwhelms them. But a mm. small snack is so much easier and it's just comfort. It's like picking. So, so the same for adults as well, though. The minute yeah, my absolutely. anxiety starts creeping up and I start feeling my chest getting tighter, I mean, I can go a whole day and not eat. And it makes yeah. me, I feel more unwell as the day goes on, but my appetite yeah. completely vanishes. It's a horrible symptom of it, actually. Yeah, it's awful. And with little ones, what they'll say is that they feel sick. Yeah, because right. this is what Axel kept saying. He kept having a bad tummy. And I, I kind of noticed when it was, and it would be like as we were approaching a fair or something, or as we were about oh. to go to his football, or as we were, you know, the things that he'd normally do. He said, oh, I've got a tummy ache. And then I started to say to him, you know, sometimes it's just because your tummy thinks yeah. you're worried. And um, I'm like, do, you know, that I think that's what it is. And now he goes, oh, mum, my tummy thinks I'm worried. Oh, sweet. <laughs> um, oh, that's but so I don't know how George. else to yeah. handle it. I literally don't know what else I to do. Because, yeah, I think naming it is a wonderful way of like handling it because what you're doing is giving your child emotional literacy mm. and you want them to connect the dots of, oh my God, this tummy ache I have is not a, mm. it is a tummy ache, it's real, but it's actually linked to an emotion. So mm. then, you know, you, you deal with tummy aches in different ways. So that can really help kids to name it like he is doing. Mummy, yeah. I'm basically, he's basically saying, I'm worried. And right. then yeah. that means that you can work on it problem solve it is it the same with um trips to the loo because we're hearing that a lot as well and that is what yeah. happened with luna it was just this constant i need a wee i need a wee i need a wee when we'd get there you know there'd be a little tinkle and then we'd go back again i need another wee i need another wee i mean there was actually <clears throat> as the months went on with it i think it started off being anxiety and i think it actually ended up with being a uti which we had to give her antibiotics oh. for so i think again quite confusing because you're like is this anxiety or is there something else going on here you know there's yeah. it's it's a minefield, isn't it? Anxiety is one of the most physical condition, uh, conditions, yeah. emotions. I, you know, all emotions are in the body. We have this idea that emotions are in our mind, but they're not. They're always held in our bodies. And anxiety is incredibly physical. So yes, anxiety is one of those emotions that confuses parents and kids because it feels so intense in their bodies that they think they're sick. So they will, the other thing that some kids get as symptoms are pains and aches, like in their hands, their arms, their feet. So they will complain of aching. So it feels like, oh, I must be ill because, you know, I've got yeah. a tummy ache and my muscles are aching, but it's to do with tensing. So when you're anxious, parts of your body will start to tense because mm. um, it's the fight flight response. 
Yeah. So your body's getting ready to like attack or run away. So it's getting really tense and then that causes aches. So yes, the peeing is another one, which also happens in adults. Often in adults, it's about having like a runny tummy. So, you know, if you're about to do something like, I don't know, an interview or something and you feel nervous, often your bowels kind of move yes. faster. Yeah. It's very, mm. very normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. God. And I guess as parents, I think, you know, I'm more than happy, like I say, to sit with Axel and try and explain and talk about how he's feeling and stuff. But I think the frustration comes with when you feel like it's limiting them, you know, like you want to be like, you you don't need to be worried about this. This is fine. You know, going to a swimming lesson, like you've been going for the last three years, but this week you're suddenly having a meltdown and you're telling me you're worried about it. That is when I find it so hard to know what to do because you almost want to give them the little push as in like, no, you've got to do this. But equally, when your child is crying hysterically yeah, in front of you. hard to know what to do, isn't it? Yeah. What are you supposed to do? It's like you yeah. want to push through it, but equally you don't want them to be upset. <laughs> I love this question because I think that's why everybody feels anxiety has this power to kind of make us feel scared. Your child is anxious about something and it often is illogical, though there's always a real logic, but it's illogical in terms of the exp- the threat, right? It's a perceived threat rather than there's an actual tiger about to eat you. But our anxiety center just thinks the thing I'm perceiving as really threatening must be really threatening because my body's giving the same signal. I often think mm-hmm. of it as a fire alarm because it's quite similar to a fire alarm. A fire alarms don't kind of just whistle softly. If it's like a little alarm, you're not going to get burned. They go full whack straight away on purpose, right? Whether you're burning toast or your house is on fire. Because the important thing is that you're safe. And anxiety is exactly the same. It just goes full whack. It doesn't do a little bit. It does like the whole thing because it's trying to protect us. So in those moments, think of two things. That's why I tend to tell people two things can be true. So one of them is you can acknowledge their fear and you can support them in like accepting that something's really worrying them and just sit with it. You know, like I said, like it's not about fixing it. You have to sit with it. And the second thing is about supporting your child, not supporting anxiety. So If you support anxiety, your child will avoid things more. And avoidance is really unhelpful. Avoidance helps anxiety grow. So Mm. good example is a child is scared of the dark, so you put a nightlight. It's not enough, so you buy a brighter light. All of that is just going to give children a sense of the dark is dangerous. The dark is a threat because my mum, my dad is doing something to make this room brighter. So I'm right. My body is right. The signal, this fire alarm must be correct because the adults around me are doing something about it. Similarly with Mm. a football, if you said to your little boy, okay, we won't go to football because you're worried. Yes. Next time you go to football, that worry will be stronger because he'll have a sense that actually there is something threatening about football because last time my mummy took me home to be safe. Yeah. Avoidance actually grows anxiety. And one of the things that's really important as parents is that we don't get scared of our children's fear, that we see it for what it is. It's a fear. But if we know they're doing something like football or, you know, sleeping in their bedrooms, we know they're safe. There is no need to kind of do anything about other than about the thing they're really scared of, like avoid it, other than sit with them hold their fear with them but you can still be driving to football 
whilst talking to him about what you're worried about. Let's talk about your worries. Oh, that sounds really scary. So validating it. Mm-hmm. It is a bit weird, isn't it? You haven't played football for a while. It's mm-hmm. a bit strange, isn't it? Are you feeling a bit out of practice as well? Oh yeah, that sounds a bit tricky. But it's you're still taking him. But as they talk it through, they process their fear and that can really help them once they're there, the fear will start to shrink because they feel safe again. Does that make sense? It, that makes total sense. Are you doing it at the moment with the dark? Because I've got a fear of the dark from childhood. Like I grew oh. up in a, a really old, I mean, I'm nearly 40. What a pathetic thing to say, but I no, have. No, it's not pathetic at all. No. I feel like it is because it's like, no. oh, it's, what, who do you think is hiding in the dark? I have this fear of being grabbed in the dark. Like it's my ultimate worst nightmare. And I can still feel it. If I'm alone in the house here and I've put the kids to bed and the corridor's dark, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, just get to the light, just get to that. That's in my own home. So I'm really going, I don't want them to pick on my own fear about that. So we will stand together and hold hands in the dark and let our lights adjust to it together. And I'm all like bolstering them up and being like, see, the dark's our friend. There's nothing frightening in the dark. Your eyes will start to adjust. We talk about their pupils, but it's also for me too. Beautiful. I feel like it's working. It's getting a lot better. Like Luna's when lights Luna's have come 18, much- She's going to be like, mum, we're not doing this. <laughs> right, everyone hold hands. We're going into the dark. But no, but Luna used to have the brightest light in her room and we've managed to get it right down. Well done. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know is- what? Modeling it as a parent is so powerful. So actually, mm. Zoe, what you're doing is like amazing because you're helping Luna overcome her fear of the dark whilst overcoming your own fear of the dark. I don't know if you shared that with Luna, that actually also the dark is scary to you because it can be really powerful for kids to see that adults are also scared sometimes and talk them through exactly as you did in that lovely example where you're saying, you see, it's safe. Let's breathe. Oh, look, our eyes are adjusting. I can see that, you know, you name your experience. Yeah. That is really great. And it is also something that I talk about a lot. It's about kind of finding a way through to doing something with anxiety. So I talk of things like I don't like public speaking very much. I find it really anxiety provoking, but I do it with anxiety. I've kind of accepted that it's a companion. Like it comes with me. It's a feeling that's there. It's in my body, but no harm's going to come to me. It's always okay if I muddle my words or I say the wrong thing. Nothing bad's going to happen. But it's about helping children learn that you can do things with anxiety. You don't always have to wait for it to not be there at all. Um, Because, you know, emotions come alongside us all the time, but they're not always facts. So Mm -hmm. just how you feel doesn't make it real. Like in the dark, you might be really scared. There's There's no threat there. You know, switch the light on. There's nothing there. Nothing's going to happen. Right, let's get in with these questions. Let's do it. Right, I'm going to kick off with this one. Um, This is from Faye. Is it common for anxious behaviours to be linked to food intolerances? Oh. I think it's a really interesting question. Um, What I would say is, if your child is intolerant of certain foods or, because it's a different thing, allergic, and what they get is physical symptoms when they eat certain foods, that can often be really painful. So I have food allergies, so I actually know what this feels like. So whether it's in your mouth and it feels like a burn or, you know, parts of your face or your mouth starts to swell, it's terrifying and really uncomfortable. Or if it's a tummy kind of response that you get as an intolerance, so you get a runny tummy or like cramps. Bloated. Yeah, yeah, bloated, really uncomfortable. It's painful. It's not nice. If your child has those kinds of symptoms, it's it's not that it's 
um, the food that brings on anxiety. It's the fact that your child has this sense that they could eat something that might trigger these kind of symptoms in them. And that can be quite scary. So what often may happen sometimes is that children will stick to the foods, which is healthy and safe, by the way, but they may stick to foods that they know they can eat with no symptoms, which Mm. makes complete sense. Mm. So it might take them longer to become adventurous at tasting and, you know, they might not like certain foods to touch. They might not like certain foods being around, even if they know it's okay if it's on the table, but I don't like it now. I don't want to eat that thing that's close to that because that made yeah. me hurt last time. So it's more that kind of link. So I would say just go go with your child, but do introduce new foods. Just make sure that they're safe. And if you're not sure, make sure that they get tested. Like if you think they're intolerant, because um, intolerance is different to an allergy. Yes. You can build it up. You know, you can build your child's tolerance to certain foods. But I would go and see an uh, allergy doctor if need be to just make sure that you know what range of foods you can introduce without giving your child symptoms I hope yeah. that makes sense love that, that. Um, bloody love you girls oh thanks that's nice <laughs> so my six year old saw a scary video on YouTube when my husband's parents were looking after him Ooh. Uh, he now won't be on his own downstairs and he's now terrified of the dark what do I do oh my god oh. <laughs> there's a big question so this yeah. is something that I would say may need a bit more work than my answer But I would say, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, your child does need to spend more time downstairs in that place where he's scared. Is he six? Did you say he was six? Yes, six, yeah. So at six, what happens is they've got a really lively imagination, fantasy world. So a scary film is very real to them. And I do say this to so many people, be really cautious about the things that your little ones are watching because you might not find it scary, but they can hold it. And then they really struggle to like separate reality from fantasy, which is why their play is so beautifully vivid and imaginative, but there's a downside. (laughs) So they watch something on TV, they think it's real. So first step is don't avoid but I wouldn't leave him by himself because it's about gradual exposure. So you need to do things step by step. So go with him and do something he does enjoy in that room or even on the laptop. So maybe you play a little game, you know, like number blocks or you do something like on that laptop in the place where he watched it with maybe something he enjoys like a drink or a snack or something only for a few minutes if he finds it really distressing, but do that to kind of build up his resilience of this room is safe, this laptop is safe. If the thing he saw is really distressing him, what I would suggest is that he draws, he talks about it and draws it out. Avoidance grows anxiety. So what happens is usually if children have seen something scary, they try really hard to avoid seeing it. But then in the dark, in bed, it'll flash back at them. Yeah. And that can be terrifying because they've been trying to suppress it. So you do need to get him to talk about it even, and this is going to sound, but this would be a long-term step, re-watch a little bit of that scary film with you by your side, holding his hand or cuddling him, but he needs to watch it and you say, look, and you can pause it and go, it's not real. Can you see? We can touch the screen. There's nothing there. Can you see? It's not real. You're safe. You're with me. That's the thing that will really break it but you're not going to get there straight away because if you say, let's okay. watch it again, he's going to freak out. Freak out. Freak out. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? We can't get through step. any film, like I mean any film, like The Lion King, like anything, any any ch- ch- children's film without Axel going, <gasps> don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't like this bit. Like 
he he's so scared. Which part of the Lion King is he scared of? Do you know what? It could be anything. I'm not joking. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Nemo. Yes, when he gets flushed down. Like like, like, literally anything can set him off. And so I always pause it and I go, okay. And then he like calms down and he'll be like, okay, 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 okay. Put it it, it back on, put it back on. It's so off. Beautiful. No, no, no. It makes sense. That's what you should do. It it, it does make sense. I I reckon half of my fear about being alone in in the house is from a scene that I watched from Strangers. Strange, sorry, Stranger, which is Liv Tyler's horror movie set in a cabin in the woods. And there is a scene where she's in the kitchen doing the washing up at night, looking out, and then the camera pans back. And I remember seeing it in the cinema. And as the camera panned back, there was a man standing at the door with this big knife just doing this. And every time I'm standing looking out at a garden now in the dark, because I'm doing the dishes or whatever, I'm like, oh, oh. every time, it happens daily to me. That's a fear, isn't it? That's a terrifying yeah. fear. So Zoe, yeah. I am what a child. I just said about kids. <laughs> yeah. You need to rewatch that film with your husband. Yes, you can. In the daylight. Yes, you can. Hold hands and do exactly what G does because that's exactly what I would say. Do not just switch off the TV. You can pause, hold hands, you know, look around, you're safe. You know, everything's fine. Keep watching because what you've forgotten and what kids don't know when they watch a scary scene, like The Lion King is actually quite like, <gasps> it's got a few jumpy scenes is that that something else happens afterwards. Yeah. They just Mm. remember the scary bit, which is what you're doing, Zoe. But there is an afterwards, and often the afterwards is okay. I think you know, everyone like, gets killed. Oh God. No, oh, I mean, I just Lord. wouldn't watch. No, no, no. I think you're right, Doctor Martha. Like, I think uh, you're right. I think you're right. I think I do need to revisit it. I think you're absolutely right. It's such a good tip, isn't it, to be there? Yeah, with them. Face your fears. It feels, yeah. It's really important because lots of parents will say, "So we never ever watch that film again." And I think no, because that just perpetuates the idea that that mm. is a threat. Yeah. And actually, when kids, many kids become teenagers, they like getting scared. So they love the horror films because then anxiety and fear become something that's like, yes, you know, so like adrenaline. adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. Did you not, were you not really into them, George? Like I used absolutely to love Blair Witch Project. No, I used no, to love that film, a- Be Outside Absolutely afterwards. not. No, I'm, 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 I'm like Axel as in like, <laughs> I, I like James watches all like these things on Netflix, like Ozark and they're not even scary, are they? They're that's just a bit not a horror like, film, George. No, it's Ozark not horror. Is- but I find that so scary. I mean, I watched the bank job and for like, I don't know, about six months, I thought someone was digging under our house and was going to break in. So like, <laughs> I just don't, I just, I mean, I know where Axel gets it from. Like, I, think I it's fully okay. know. <laughs> if you know, don't do it. Don't do it. But when yeah. it's with your kid with a film, one, I would like check your films. Like I do say this to parents, sometimes you might have to watch a film first to decide whether it's appropriate whether for Whether it's child. okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, okay. you don't want to send them to distress. But yes, definitely watch it, you know, pause and watch it through and then that okay. will shrink anxiety. I know what I'm doing later. All right, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> why is my nearly five-year-old scratching until he bleeds or picking and ripping his toenails right down to the base? He does it at night, but he says he's not worried about anything. He didn't cope well with the first lockdown. He just turned three and I had a three-month at the time, but he's very happy otherwise. So... That might not be anxiety. Picking is a sensory thing. So it can be anxiety, it can be soothing. Um, how old is he? I lost the age. I think she said five. Five. Yeah. Five. It, you know, picking nails is actually like something that kids do. So um, it might have turned into a habit and it probably doesn't worry him because it doesn't hurt him. 
that much. And he might just do it when he's bored, you know, when he looks around. It's really, really common, like kids who pick. And some kids are more picky than others. Like some adults are more picky than others. You know, I know lots of adults who like to pick. Or like people who grind their nails and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick pick their skins. Mm. So I would say if that's your child, what I would do is try and prevent the picking and give him an alternative that is appropriate. So prevent the picking on his toes. So he might need to sleep with like sleep socks because it's usually a bed because he's like, you know, trying to switch off. And so his hands are getting busy. So that's what he's doing. Um, or like scratching so you want to give him something he can pick so there are so many fidget toys around at the moment and some of them are great and some of them are great for like pickers so whether it's the squidgy balls but they have little balls inside them so those are quite good because you know if you try and squeeze them and find them or even like the poppers they can be quite good so have a look and I would offer him an alternative And if he really likes touching toes or touching his skin, because I'm hearing about his skin, I would give him an alternative where he can do this, but he's doing something soothing, like putting on cream, like an ice cream that he likes, something like that. So he can still get the sensation of touching his body, but it's not picking. For picking, she needs to offer like an alternative straight away. We'll be right back after this short break. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? This one's, this one's sad. My child looks different. His ears. I'm worried about his self-esteem. He's always the joker. Yeah, I mean, this isn't quite anxiety. This is about like visual difference. And I think that's really sad. I think, I mean, we all look different. We all have different ears. But if it's something that seems to stand out for your child, I would help your child look at differences and similarities between people. So really help him see like, how everybody looks a bit different, like whether it's bigger hands, smaller hands, you know, different hair color, different eyes, noses, all that kind of thing. Because what's probably happening is he's focused on his ears because other people are focused on his ears. But there's more to him than the physical bit. But I would first do the whole like just talking about it. So sit with his difficult feelings. Mm. Mm. You know, if he's a joke, if he's the joke at school or something, he may just need you to sit with him and hear him out hear how it feels to be teased because that's horrible. 
Um, and then I, I guess two things. One of them, listen to it, try not to fix it. Just hold his difficult feelings with him because that will make kids feel less alone. And then if, if it is a form of bullying or teasing, definitely go back to the school if it's happening at school or childcare. Mm. Definitely talk to teachers about it because it's not okay. And the teachers should be doing some of this work that I just said about differences between people and how all bodies are acceptable. There are some really beautiful books um, mm. at the moment, really great, full of like diverse pictures with kids who do have like differences, facial differences, etc. They also have dolls and like like even Barbie has a section that is about kids with scars and in wheelchairs. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're that's called, amazing. I can't remember what they're called, so but they've good. got not advertising, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But they've got other toys. So have a look at different toys and help him see, because it's also about representation. Like, can you yes. see somebody yeah. who looks like him? who looks visibly different. Phoebe sent in a question just directly after that, and this answers that as well, saying advice with bringing up a toddler with a facial birthmark to be resilient. And that this ties in with this comment. There was a few about that, actually. And, and, I, and I can relate to that because Isla, my stepdaughter, was born with, a, born with a birth defect in her foot. She was born with her feet inwards like that. And one of the feet, you know, is, is different to the other side. And she's getting some remarks at school and, you know, her confidence and stuff. So I was like talking to her about Paralympians. And I, I was showing her, you know, people with, you know, have done incredible things. Who are, who are different slash special and I just say it's a really special thing about her I try and boost her up like that yeah um, I know. think we're all so much more aware now aren't we of those that you know of making sure our ch children understand that people are different and, and like mm. you say there's dolls and there's books and there's all this kind of stuff that we didn't have when yeah. we you know we was younger so it's no. probably the fears probably sits with us more so yes. doesn't it I think sometimes it does with with parents because we want to protect our kids and we don't want them to like you know, get hurt by other yeah. people's comments. But yeah. sometimes it's not about fixing it. It is about hearing their feelings mm -hmm. and it's about offering them ways of talking about it. So like a birthmark on your face, again, like those, there are dolls, like the Barbie dolls, they have exactly that and they're beautiful. And it's yeah. about thinking about, does she have dolls like that? Does she see a representation of her? There are also models. So mm. Google, for both of these parents, use Google and get some images. You do it by yourself first, okay? <laughs> um, especially if they're little, make sure you get the right images that are fit. But there are some beautiful models with like um, birthmarks on their face. And, you know, they earn a living from this because they look different and it's, yeah. you know, celebrated. attractive. Exactly, yeah. celebrated. And it's about celebrating our differences and helping children also in terms of protecting them it's not really about fixing it, but it is about helping them develop a language and an assertiveness around if people make a comment, what will they say? And one of the best things you can do as a parent is model that. So yep. a little bit like with anxiety. So model it. You know, if somebody makes a remark or something, have some words that help you kind of show your child that the way they look is completely acceptable. There's no shame. Mm -hmm. You're not avoiding it. You know, if somebody looks at your child, because sometimes that I get that question, what do I do when they look at my child? Because they look different. Mm. Set a boundary. You know, if somebody's looking at your child, you think that that's uncomfortable. Often it's curiosity rather yes. than malice. Yes. So just remember that. But you can set a boundary. You can say something like, my daughter's got a beautiful face mark. Is that what you're looking at? You know, like, is that what you're curious yeah. about? Yeah. And then leave it at that. So your daughter hears, oh, we can talk about this. It's something mm. that can be talked about without mm. any shame or, you know, don't move your child away. Like, 
don't look at her. Because if you do that, your child gets this message or people shouldn't see this. People shouldn't look at my ears or my face. So just the modeling, the setting a boundary, you can also like just through what you say and what you do, give your child a sense that they're acceptable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kit was pointing at this lovely lady in, she was in a mobility scooter in the supermarket the other day and she was right next to us and he was turning around and he goes, what's that? And I was like, that's a mobility scooter. And the lady was like, hello, this is a mobility scooter. And right. she was, she goes, I've got a really dodgy leg, she said. And I said, oh, what's, what's wrong? And she goes, oh, I just can't use it properly. So, and, and Kit went, is that a wheelchair? And we had this really lovely conversation about mobility it. scooters and wheelchairs. And it was really uplifting and, you know, like Lovely. refreshing to talk about yeah. it. And Because I, I think you do, when, you know, when your child points out something about someone else, you, you almost want to be like, oh, God, oh, don't, God don't, don't, yeah. stop, stop. But actually, Zoe, like what you did is exactly right. As in just, yeah, just talk about it because otherwise, you know, we're going to mark it as something that's shameful. Yes. Absolutely. And that's really important for your child. But it's so important for the other, whether it's an adult or a kid, like that lady in the mobility scooter. She was like, you see me. Like to be seen and accepted is huge, especially if you live with something where you know you look different. Like when people look different, they know. So being able to have that conversation with you and your son is huge because it makes her go, see, I am completely acceptable. They didn't, they weren't embarrassed. She wasn't embarrassed about the question. She just talked mm-hmm. about it with me. Yeah. That is huge to that person who then leaves. It's a, it, to me, it's a mark of respect yeah. that we can accept differences. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nothing to be ashamed of. Right, George. How to help kids deal with tough times like parents' illness? I mean, big question. <laughs> Yeah. How long have we got? <laughs> um, I guess a few top tips, things like parental illness. Yeah, big topic. What I would say is the way that I work, the way that like works best with children is to keep things always very honest, but keep them simple. So you got to follow your child's developmental stage, but always be honest. So if you're ill, and that can include just, you know, you've got a cold or you're really sick, name it for your child, explain to your child that you're unwell. And then the most important thing of what you share is what it means to them. So it might mean I can't come and pick you up every day from school. Maybe so-and-so is going to come and collect you. It might mean I can't play with you in the park, but we can do whatever it is. We can do stickers or coloring, or we can watch a film together instead. Mm -hmm. It might mean um, you can't climb on me or I can't pick you up because I won't be able to for a while. It's not forever, just for a while, but you can sit next to me or hold my hand or I can still brush your hair or does that make sense? Yeah. So you want great. to be really concrete about the things that you can't do and offer your child some reassurance that you're still there for them, but in a way that fits for you. That's the most important part. That was great. Great tips there. Um, is it ever okay for your children to hear you having a blazing row with your partner? I mean, it's not that it's okay or not okay. It's that it's going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah. So what talk us, talk us through that because I'm sure lots of people will have oh, experienced absolutely. this during lockdown where the arguments come in thick and fast and it's quite hard to protect the kids. Do they need protecting? Like, what, What's your advice on that? So ideally, children would not hear you argue, but this is like utopia ideal, okay? Realistically, it happens in our house too. I have a small child. If we're arguing and our voices are going up, she hears it. Okay. And children are really good at sensing atmosphere in our homes. So one, the most important part isn't really, and I'm only talking about arguing here rather than 
physical or domestic violence of course just so we're yeah. clear because yeah, I yeah. feel like I need to separate the two yeah of course but if you're just having like a verbal bickering argument the key part is that you do talk to your child afterwards about what happened because what often happens is that kids feel scared so it is scary to watch your parents argue it feels like a really uncertain wobbly thing to watch and you don't often kids don't know what to do and they they might get distressed and not express it or they might get angry at one of you so the thing to do individually or together is if you can't do it in the heat of the argument do it afterwards it's kind of like repair but you go and you speak to your child and you just say to them i'm sorry we got loud because we both got angry and we were arguing but if it's your partner you know mummy and daddy mummy and mummy whoever it is we still love each other we are still a family this argument was not about you so that's really important we're still a family we still love each other you can love each other and disagree and this is not about you it's not your fault we love you very much and then just like reassure them comfort them but that's mm. a really important message sometimes kids will go off so when parents argue they'll just you know they'll know it's yeah. much. go after them afterwards yeah. and just even if it's just one of you the other one's feeling really wound up the one who's calmest just give your child those messages and that's the key really to kind of show them we're still a family we can have arguments and yes shouting's not okay you know mommy and daddy or whoever it is we're going to try and work through that but we love you and it wasn't your fault like that's really important it's really making me feel very emotional this chat because I feel like it's been a lot the last couple of years and Mm. there's been situations and across households globally where you know arguments have fired up because there's nowhere to go and 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 it's quite explosive sometimes and there was nowhere to go to have those conversations because we were all told to stay at home and I think I sometimes carry a bit of shame around those arguments and I know that the kids heard them and sometimes you know my little Lee will say or you and daddy are arguing and or you know what was daddy being mean to you or like he'll and and it's like or what what did you say that to daddy you know or stuff like that and I'm like he's hearing too much of it I think I'm not that we're arguing all the time but you know when they come up I don't feel I've done enough sometimes to be like right you guys go in that room get away because I don't ever I didn't ever want them to see us arguing Mm. it's it's hard it's really hard and what you said is really important because in lockdown it's not just that we were like you know, kind of in a pressure cooker in our homes. But we often have conversations with other people. Yeah, exactly. About, you know, so we vent and we have that kind of support systems around us. All of that was taken away. So then we only mm. had whoever was in our house to vent it out with. So yeah, that I mean, the explosiveness was real in every house, ours included. I think the important bit like that you mentioned there that I think can be helpful as well is as a parents, even if you're having an argument, remember not to throw your anger at your child in terms of saying, well, I said those things because, you know, daddy's really annoying. Like, remember just to say, we still love each other, but sometimes we disagree. Like as adults, Mm. we can disagree or I'm feeling really stressed today. So I just had a shouty moment. You know, it's not okay for me to shout, but we still love each other. We're still together. We're still a family. That's the bit that kids hold on to. You know, like, was mummy mean? Was daddy mean? It's about saying we still love each other. It was just a heated argument. Yeah. God, don't Axel grasses me up sometimes. If I'm like, (laughs) if I feel like moaning about James on the phone to like my mum or to Zoe or, you know, to whoever, (laughs) um, he'll go, we'll pick James up, say from the station or something. He'll go, daddy, mummy's cross with you. (laughs) (laughs) 
They listen to everything. They hear yeah, everything. They, they hear everything. She's cross because you're late. Yeah. And I'm like, Axel, you little grass. Goodness sake. <laughs> Should we finish up um, with this one? And I think, you know, this applies not just to children, I guess. How can you help your child not to always be a people pleaser? Oh, I love this question. Again, big topic. Okay. People pleasers are often, always, people who want external validation. Okay, we look to others. We want to please others rather than please ourselves. So if you're if you're saying, how do I get my child not to be a people pleaser? There's a few steps that are not that easy, but definitely start to embrace them. One, allow your child to protest. Allow your child to say no. Listen to their no. Listen to their protests you know, the tantrums, the meltdowns, allow them, don't just stop them. That doesn't mean they then get what they want. That's a different thing. Okay. So that's a boundary, Mm. but allow them to say, no, I want more TV. And you can say, I get it. You want more TV. TV is great. I get it. It's finished for today, but tomorrow you can watch it again, whatever it is, you know, your boundary, It's, Mm. it's finished for the day, but allow them to say, no, accept it. When I say this, I get lots of parents go, that's going to make kids entitled. It's not. It's going to make kids not be people pleasers. It's going to make kids know that actually how they feel is important. What they want is important. What they need is important. They can't always have it. That's where disappointment comes into this, you know, and boundaries. But it's really important that you hear your child. So that's one. Secondly, praise really key for people pleasers. Don't dish out tons of praise. This is going to sound like such a paradox. Oh, but the more we love I it though. Know. Us people pleasers, we need the praise. We crave yeah, the I praise. Know. <laughs> I know. We all do. I think most people of our generation, we were like, we were built on praise. So it comes from like a really old school. It comes from old school psychology models, behavioral models that are all about rewarding good behavior and, you know, punishing bad behavior and send kids do more of the good. But that completely denies the idea that actually as humans, we're social and relational and emotional. We don't just mm. do behaviors on, but when we do lots and lots and lots of praise on kids, what it does, it, it just takes away their sense of achievement because it's our praise. It's not theirs. Mm. And it takes, it does steal some of their joy in doing something. And actually some kids will say, no, it's not. It's not good. Like if you go, oh, that's so good. Some kids will go, no, it's not. It's rubbish. That's because you've stolen something from them. And maybe what they did looks amazing to you. That's yours. That's your subjective kind of experience. Uh, But they're like, it's not quite right. But you haven't allowed them to express, you know, that kind of- yeah how they, right. how they really feel you've told them what it is and they've you've gone actually I, yeah 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 so slow okay. so to slow down the praise really easy step which is really hard to do but easy just stay quiet you don't have to praise every achievement your dad your child does God, I'm you don't have to say <laughs> beautiful drawing <laughs> you don't have to do that i say are you proud of i say are you proud of yourself and then they go yeah, or no. That's I've started doing that because I heard Lovely. that. I, heard, I think I heard that on one of the other podcasts it. that we did. Yeah, are you proud of it? Rather than going, Mummy is so proud of you. I go, are you proud of yourself? Because if they go, no, I go, oh, actually probably could have done better. Or like, <laughs> oh, no, you know, it is really good or whatever. You know what I mean? It gives them the option to answer. So ask them. So if they show you something like a drawing is a really good example. You know, say to them, oh, my God, notice what it is. Like, I can see you've drawn a house. 
how did you choose those colors? It's not praise. It's, yeah. I really value what you did there. Tell me more. And loads of kids sometimes say, but do you like it? And then my, I flip it around and say, do you like it? Looks like you worked really hard on it. Did you like it? Okay. You know, you want to get- are they not going to grow then? up going, mommy never told me that my fucking picture was beautiful? No. No. Because it's, I it's literally not, do it's the opposite. Balance, okay? Axel wakes up in the morning and I'm like, Axel, I'm so proud of you. And he literally <laughs> looks at me like, Say that you're proud of your child is slightly different to the praise I'm talking about. Oh, okay, fine. Let's remember that it's a balance, okay? Yeah. It's absolutely okay to go, oh my God, that's such a beautiful drawing. There's nothing wrong with that. But balance it out. If all you ever do is offer praise, praise, you are actually kind of teaching your child to look for external validation to know whether the thing they did is acceptable or good enough. Or do you like it? I don't know if I like it. Do you? It's theirs. So we need to help. If you don't want your child to be a people pleaser, they need to get an inner sense of motivation and an inner sense of confidence, not given by other people just because they feel it. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Asking for a friend. Can you be a people pleaser and have confidence within? Of course. You can. Okay, fine. Of course. You know, we all like to be told we're great. (laughs) That's Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but with children, there's nothing it's- wrong with compliments or praise, but it's about you know balancing it out. And I think mm. if you're a people pleaser, just remember, you know, a few questions. I'm a people pleaser too, by the way. A few questions that I find helpful as an adult are things like when somebody asks you for something, like a request. I think most people pleasers have a real pull to say yes. So before you say yes, one of the things that might hold you more accountable to whether you really want to do it is if I say yes what am I giving up mm. yeah and if I say yes who am I trying to please right like is it them or is it me because we often do things for others but they yeah. still please us because we want to do them but sometimes we do things for others because we want them to be happy but actually they is might be us? Yeah. yeah it's making like an issue for us in terms of time or whatever it is it's going to build up some stress so just think about that because your needs are really important. And it's basically, that's what we want to teach kids. Your needs are really important. So things like sharing, kids don't have to share. I have this real pet hate of like making kids share. It's good to keep things that you like to yourself. You want to teach your kid, you don't have to give everything away. If I came around to your houses and saw some beautiful clothes in your wardrobes, I know you guys have beautiful clothes. If I showed up and was like, oh, I really want to borrow this. And you're like, I'm saving that for Saturday night. <laughs> would you let me borrow it? Or would you be I, like, I'd uh, let you hold it and try it on, but then I'd immediately take it back. But that's that's conflicting, isn't it? Because with yeah. the sharing thing, they drill oh. it into them at preschool. And that's what I was going like, to say. It's you know, quite you, you get school, pulled aside by yeah. like, you know, I have to have endless conversations about Kit and, oh, he wasn't good today. He didn't have kind hands with the sharing and he snatched it back. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get he it. He hadn't finished playing with it. Yeah. Mm. You don't. So for me, sharing is a feeling. So sharing is perceived as to being a behavior. You give things away to, but again, you're giving things away to please another. Like yeah. that example with kids, a great one. He was forced to give something away. So he snatched it back. He's like, I'm not ready to give that away. <laughs> sharing only works when you feel it. You know, it's like the sense of, yes. um, you know, generosity. It's about saying, I want to do this because it makes me happy to share. Yeah. You've got to give children time to enjoy like the toy or the thing or their food, to get that space of having, I've had enough. So yeah, now you can have some. And then 
and then help your child notice how does the other one respond? Yeah. Like, oh, look, you shed some of your cookie and they look really happy. Have you seen how happy you've made them? That's what makes them go, oh, yeah, it feels good. It feels oh, good yeah, to share. Yeah, yes, yes, when yes. we force it on our kids, it doesn't feel good. Like, give a cookie. Come on, give some of your cookie. They're like, I want to eat that. That doesn't feel good to a kid. That's going to make kids not want to share. Mm. That's going to make kids resent you for forcing it and resent the other, like, you stole some of my cookies. Yeah. Oh, That's my not goodness. a good feeling to it's, sit with. This is, is not just a therapy for, a session for our children, but a therapy session for it ourselves is. and our parenting. Dr. Marcy, you've been an absolute superstar. We could chat to you all day. Oh, I mean, I, last time we chatted to you, I actually picked the phone up and was like, Dr. Marta, you need to help me. <laughs> so you can expect that phone call in about five minutes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank Lovely you. to see you again. <laughs> Bye. Oh, Dr. Marta is just one of the most incredible humans. I love the way she breaks down children's anxiety and makes it really simple and really easy to understand. Because as a whole, that subject is so overwhelming. I mean, it brings me anxiety to think about my children having anxiety. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's definitely like our biggest worry in our house is coping with, at the moment, Axel's like worries and anxiety Um, because you just never know what to do do you you never know what the right thing is to do and I feel so much better having chatted to Dr Marta and I'm hoping that everyone who sent in their questions will feel exactly the same as we do Um, she really knows her stuff yeah she Um, really does Definitely give her a follow on Instagram as well because she's really great at kind of creating content, like doing little reels and stuff. And it it kind of, as I said, it breaks it down a lot easier. So we're going to get into our products. George, do you want to kick us off? Let's do it. Um, So I'm going to kick us off with a book and it's called My Hidden Chimp for Kids. So The Chimp Paradox is a book for adults and it's all about learning why you do certain things and you have certain behaviors and basically it's like your chimp that's actually behaving and you can and you can start boxing it off and thinking that's not me that's my chimp Um, and so there is a book called my hidden chimp for children and it's not just a reading book it's a you know you get involved you do writing in there you might draw pictures and it gives you topics to cover so I sit with Axel maybe a couple of times a week and just go through a couple of pages with him um, and I wasn't sure you know he's five I don't know if he's slightly too young for it so I was sort of thinking mm, I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure if this is working and then he started having this major breakdown and after I'd calmed him down he said that wasn't me mummy was it that was my chimp and oh, I was brilliant. like oh it is going it is going in so yeah I mean just in general it's a really good book for talking about handling your emotions and yeah. sort of naming them and I think probably if you've got a child who's up to 10 years old maybe from 5 to 10 it's a really great one to, to get brilliant yes. brilliant um, okay my my product is going to be um, some worry dolls which you can buy from Amazon now I have spoken about these worry dolls I think a couple of years ago now when Luna yeah. was going through it but they definitely still feature heavily in our house um, they are fair, fair trade dolls that you can buy um, on Amazon but they're from Guatemala and they're six little dolls that come in a bag and you can sit down with your little one and ask them what they're worried about and then each doll represents a worry so you can say you know for me I was saying Luna what well you know what are you worried about and she'd go I'm worried about spiders and I'd go right kiss this doll she'd give it a kiss and I said put it under your pillow and then your worry goes away so we would just do it for anything that she was feeling worried or anxious about 
And if I see her kind of slightly, you know, maybe being a little bit more emotional than normal or, you know, like you said, having a bit of a breakdown about tantrum about something, we get the worry dolls out and we just use them again. But they're only six ninety nine, and they actually they actually work really well. I think it is, isn't it? It's all about talking about the worries and however you do that, it is you know it's going to be beneficial in some way yeah, so absolutely yeah. love the worry dolls um so this is more of a yeah like a product so it's a pillow spray or um also you could do like a little roller so i actually use the bloom and blossom pillow spray they do it on look fantastic um and then sometimes that you know that this works stress relief yeah. yeah 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 so basically if axel's a bit anxious before bedtime or like has worries i'll say to him right let's spray this magical spray on your pillow or every time you feel worried if I put this on your wrist and you smell it that will relax you and I'm sure it probably is all in the mind but it works it's that just Mm. let's let's just sort of relax and it gives them something else to focus on and think about so he'll be like oh I love that smell it makes me relax I mean who knows if it actually does but it makes him think it, it is so there we go a good I, pillow I, Georgia spray. I believe because <laughs> lavender is very relaxing yeah. and I use lavender to relax as well so yeah yeah no I do I mean I've got my if you can sit, well you know where I record this podcast right next to my bed <laughs> and there is a pillow spray right next to me there on my you bed go. I always use it too so my next product is going to be a pack of fidget toys again that you can buy from Amazon um, I got a massive bag of them for the kids at Christmas time they're about 16 pounds I split them up between the kids and they're always clicking fidgeting spinning you know all of them love it and sometimes I see Kit kind of you know watching TV and he's just got his he's just got like a spinning top in his hand and he's just spinning it round and round and round and round I also love fidgeting with things in my hand like I'll always be playing with something or touching my hair or so um, that's an ex-smoker for you they always need something in their hands but (laughs) now I can just carry fidget toys around with me also those little popper things are amazing like if you're in a restaurant or you're travelling because they'll literally just sit there popping these things for hours yeah highly recommend those as well Um, Um, And that's us for products. And that's us. Yeah, we really hope that today's children's mental health episode helped you guys out. Of course, we would love you to rate, review, subscribe, and please give the podcast a little follow if you've got time. Yeah, and please do tag us. We love to see where and how you're listening. And of course, any suggestions for topics or people you'd like to hear from, please drop us a DM. We're on at Made by Mamas on Instagram. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Made by Mamas is an Insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.